So today we're going to be talking about divers faith. Divers faith. Divers meaning many different types. So we'll be talking about four types of faith today. So the objective for today is that we're going to be talking about, number one, saving faith. Saving faith. Number two, faith in the word. Number three, healing faith. And then last will be the gift of faith. So saving faith, faith in the word, healing faith, and then the gift of faith. And we'll start it off reading from the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Now, if you can remember the backdrop of, of Corinthians is that we have, um, in the book of Corinthians, we have Paul, I believe, yes, we have Paul in the book of Corinthians talking to the Corinthians because the Corinthian people, he was actually trying to get them um, to kind of change their mind about a certain things. And specifically in this chapter, he's talking to them. He's, he begins the chapter by telling them that he doesn't want them to be ignorant of spiritual things. Because the way in which how they came up and how they were worshiping, they had a God for everything. They had a sun God and a water God and a fire God and all these different types of God. And so he was letting them know how the spirit works, that the spirit does not work like their gods worked, that you have several different gifts, but it comes from one spirit because they didn't really understand. They wasn't grasping the concept of the gifts in which he was talking about, such, you know, the gift of healing, the gift of faith, and all these different types of gifts because they were thinking that they had a God for every single gift. But he was letting them know, no, that's not how it works. There's several different gifts, but it coming from one spirit. So we start at 1 Corinthians 12 and 9. And this is towards the end of um, that scripture in which he's talking about the several different gifts. So he says in verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. So once again, he's letting them know this is the same spirit. These are not different spirits you get these gifts from. But he specifically says to another faith by the same spirit. So this is the gift he's talking about or the manifestation of faith. So remember, we're talking about diverse faith, different kinds of faith, several different types of faith. So now there are several different types of faith, and we will begin by talking about the first one, saving faith. And we'll begin that in, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And it begins by saying, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, so it's nothing that you've done. It is the gift of God. So faith is a gift. 
It says, not of works, not based on what you can do. Least any man should boast. So we call this type of faith saving faith. The faith that believes in the promises of God. That if we believe in Jesus Christ, that we will be forgiven and cleansed of our sins. So this is the faith that gives us salvation. Now, why am I going through the different types of faith, diverse types of faith? It's because as you read the Bible, the word faith will come up several different times. So the reason why we're going over these is because in, you have to keep the context of the scripture. So if it's talking about faith, you got to know what type of faith is it talking about? Is it talking about a saving faith? Is it talking about healing faith, the gift of faith? So you want to know which faith and which they're talking about as you read. So as John said in the opening of his gospel as well, let's see, John 1, 12 through 13, to also back up we're talking about right now, which is saving faith, he says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So he lets us know. So as many have received him, he gave the power to become sons of God. Meaning that saving faith. That once you received him, that you become a son or daughter of God. So in the third chapter of John, still talking about saving faith, verses 14 through 15, here it, it spoke about Moses lifting up the servant, serpent in the wilderness. It says, even so must the son of man be lifted up. So just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he said, just like he did that, so shall the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That once again, this is that saving faith. And then our favorite Sunday school <laughs> scripture that we all should know, John 3 and 16. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That saving faith. And we have Romans 10, 9 through 10. Romans 10, 9 through 10. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if we kind of read this backwards. So when you say out of your mouth, 
So when you say out of your mouth, so you confess that the Lord Jesus Christ is now Lord over you, which we often say in order to get people into the kingdom of God, that we tell them that you literally like have to say this. You have to confess it with your mouth. He says when that is done, salvation is given to you. So we'll go over that. But then he turns around and says, but when you believe in your heart, righteousness is counted to you. So you saying it out of your mouth, you're thinking that, oh, this is just some words, but it is not just words. When you literally say it out of your mouth, salvation comes to you. And when you confess it in your heart, righteousness is afforded to you. So when salvation is, in the Greek soteria, it's welfare, it's prosperity, it's deliverance. It's preservation. It's also inclusive of salvation. It's safety. It's literally deliverance from the enemy molesting you. Preservation of your physical life. It's soul safety, meaning that your soul is now saved. And it's also instruction concerning your salvation. So now God can talk to you about what he desires to do. Concerning your salvation, concerning your purpose, concerning your destiny. And it, what salvation is also, it is the present saving of you and the future saving of you. So meaning that your eternal life begins already once you become saved, which is your present saving of you, which is your salvation. And then once you die, there's no need to worry because it's a future salvation as well. So it covers all bases. So what is saving faith? It is that faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior it is believing that he paid the price for our sins. It is believing that the blood of Jesus Christ was shed as a sacrifice accepted by God, the sacrifice of our sins, and as a substitute. Jesus took our sins upon himself, died in our place, that by our believing in him, we would not perish but have eternal life. So that is the saving faith that you will run into several different times and several different places in the Bible. So the second type of faith that we will go over is the faith that trusts in the word. The type of faith that trusts in the word. So this type of faith that trusts in the word and in the promises of God, this is the kind of faith in the believer of the word of God and the promises of God, which is hallmark, remember, in Hebrews chapter 11, in which we have all the different and several different types of people who believe God, who believe the promises of God as well. So it lists the exploits of the men and the women 
that trust in the word because it was saying by faith this person did this by faith this person did this so meaning that that by faith they trusted in the word and they trusted in what God said to them the promises of God so this kind of faith is many times lacking in the body of Christ Because if you remember in Mark's gospel, it tells us in Mark 16 and 14. Now, this was after Christ's resurrection. This is after his resurrection. It says, afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. That's not a typo. That's what it said. As they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they believe not them which had seen him after he was risen. So they did not believe the witness of the women who said, we have seen the Lord after his resurrection. That we touched him, they said, we held him. But the disciples did not believe. And so Jesus in this passage of scripture was rebuking and upbraiding them because of the hardness of their heart to believe what he had promised all along. That he would do and what the women had declared he had done. Because that's all almost all that he talked about when he was with the disciples. So when Christ was, so as we move along, what are we talking about? Make sure y'all on point. Faith that trusts in the word. So as we move along to Luke 24 and 25. So when Christ was walking with two disciples, where Jesus was walking with two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he said to them in Luke 24 and 25, he said, O fools and slow of heart to believe all all that the prophets have spoken. So here is God's word, and he says, you have not believed or trusted the word of God. And so this is what we call like that child like faith in the children of God, meaning that we are to just simply trust a simple trust of the word and the promises of God. This is that kind of faith in which I believe that the Bible talks about us increasing our faith. Jude 1 and 20. Jude told the believers in Jude 1 and 20, he said, build yourself up in the most holy faith. He told them to build yourself up, increase your faith. Believe and trust in the word. So it is one thing to read about what God did for those in the Bible, right? But oftentimes we also think of the people in the Bible as the special class of people. It's a mental thing. 
as a special class of people in which, like, we don't even qualify. <laughs> but the thing about it is that we have Christ in us. And they didn't have Christ in them. But in our mind, when we're reading it, it's like we set them aside like a different class of people. And it's like we don't, we don't measure up to them when we have something greater in us. So we have to remember, though, and not forget that the Bible says that Elijah in James 5 and 17 it says that, correction, Elias, that Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. It says that he was a man just like us. Nothing different. There was nothing special about him. He was just like us. It says, but when he prayed earnestly, it said it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Which means that he had to have that type of faith that believed and trusted in the word so much that we believed that when he prayed that this would happen. So what is faith in the word? This is the faith that God's people have in him, in the word of God that causes us to commit ourselves to the promises of God. That we are believing the promises of God and being assured of the promises of God and rejoicing in the promises of God. This kind of faith grows as you experience him more and more. So, for instance, it was part of me. When I walked away from my job to start my private practice, part of me was fearful, but I had so many experiences with God, with him reassuring me and showing me things and it coming to pass, that when that moment came, there was like an anchoring or trust there. It had built up. My faith had built up. To the point where I said, you know what, I'm going to walk away because there's nothing that he has not done for me. I've been in several different situations and he has not failed. So I was able to do an absolute walk away because I knew that he was going to take care of it. Now, I didn't know the details. I didn't know how it was going to come. But one thing that I knew when he spoke the word to me, and I was like, God, I'm getting ready to do this. The only thing that he asked me, he said, do you trust me? And that's the only thing that I was going off of. I said, yes, I do. He said, we'll do it then. So... Now we're going to talk about healing faith. Healing faith. 
In Luke 8, 42 through 48. So I'm going to do like a paraphrase of this. But I have it up there for you to read. So Luke 8, 42 and 48. So Jesus is on his way to the house of Jairus, whose daughter had died. And as the crowd was pushing him along, following him and shoving and trying to get close, suddenly Jesus stopped, remember, and he said, who touched me? And you remember Peter's response. He's like, you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Everybody is pushing and shoving, and you said, who touched me? You know how many people are walking, and you said, who touched me? You know how many people we've just came into contact with? And you said, who touched me? So it's like everybody within 10 yards of him had touched him. But Jesus said, no, this is different. He said, I felt virtue go out of me. So what was the difference from the crowd of people that was touching, that touched him and the woman who touched him? Because several people had touched him. The crowd, as the Bible said, pressed on him, and that's totally different, meaning that they press their flesh against him unconsciously and unintentionally. They had no purpose when they touched him. But the woman, she voluntarily did it. It was a conscious act. She did it on purpose. She touched him to get healed. She reached out her hand as an expression to get close enough to him that power would be released from him to her. And it says the woman came and knelt before him trembling and confessed that for the space of 12 years she had been hemorrhaging meaning bleeding, and she believed that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that this would stop. She had spent all of her money on doctors, and she said she was not even better. And she felt if she could just touch the hem of his garment, that this would stop. It would cease. It would be no more. And so she made her way through the crowd until she got close enough to touch him. And the Bible says immediately, not several days afterwards, not the next day, the Bible says immediately her hemorrhage ceased. She was healed. And then Jesus said, daughter, be of good comfort because your faith has made you whole. And this would be classified as healing faith. She believed enough. She purposed it in her heart voluntarily on purpose to press into him until she got what she needed.
in Matthew chapter 15. There was the woman from the area of Tyre who came to Jesus concerning her daughter, who she said was grievously vexed by the devil. When the disciples came and said, Lord, do something, she is troubling us. To them, he said, I am not sent, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so she came, so she then came directly to Jesus and she said, Lord, help me. And he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to dogs. That was an insult. (laughs) She said, true, Lord. Yeah, what you say is true, she said. She said, but the dogs eat the crumbs also that fall from the master's table. And verse 28 says that then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as you will. And it says, and her daughter was made whole that very hour. So she was not going to give up. He's like, okay, I hear what you're saying. So basically she was like, so you're saying my daughter can't get healed and you're the one in which that can heal. She said, but I'll take whatever that you can give me. And because she came with that type of sincerity and that type of heart, he gave it to her. Which means what? That sometimes God has said no about some things. But that's not a definite no. That you can press him to the point where he gives it to you. Based on your faith. So that healing faith is the faith that brought healing to her daughter. The last one is Mark 10, 46 through 52. Mark 10, 46 through 52. And it tells us, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, thy son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, a great deal, thy son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called and they called the blind man saying unto him be of good comfort rise he called thee and he casting away his garment rose and came to Jesus and Jesus answered and said unto him what will thy that I should do unto thee the blind man answered unto him Lord that I might receive my sight and Jesus said unto him go thy way thy faith have made thee whole And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So this is, once again, healing faith. According to your faith, according to how much you press, 
according to how much you desired. And last but definitely not least, the gift of faith. The gift of faith. So when Paul was writing to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 5, he said, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And so those who were working miracles among them had to acknowledge that they were working the miracles by the word of faith, meaning the gift of faith. Now, we will go to Luke 17, 1 through 6. As Jesus was talking to his disciples, so he's talking to them in, in these verses about forgiveness. And he says, then he unto the disciple, it is impossible, but that offense will come. Now he's talking to giving them a lesson on forgiveness. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a milestone were hanged around his neck and that he be cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Give me the next one. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in the day, turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said, now I want you to remember this verse, verse five, we're going to continue through it, but remember verse five. And the apostle says unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thy plucked up by the root and be thy planted in the sea and it should obey you. Now, the reason why I wanted you to remember verse five, he said, they, the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. You have to understand he was, remember, he was trying to teach them about forgiveness and so he was telling them, look, if your brother offends you, make sure you forgive them seven times, you know, seven times, 77 times in a day. And they're like, okay, why in the world would they say, Lord, increase our faith? Because they know, like, this is going to be a hard thing to do. We don't have the capacity to forgive like this. So what they were asking was, Lord, impart faith into me, increase my faith, because I don't have that much faith in order to forgive like that. So I'm going to need you to place and put that in me because I don't have it. So they said, increase our faith. So in other words, they recognized that they would not forgive as Jesus was commanding them to forgive, that it was not natural to them is what they were saying, that the natural way is to get revenge. But the Lord was saying, 
They were to forgive, and they recognized they did not have the capacity to do that. And so their prayer was, Lord, increase our faith so that we can be obedient and forgive even as you tell us we are to forgive. And this seemed to open the door for Jesus to talk to them about the special gift of faith. That when they said, Lord, increase our faith, his response was, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thy planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now, I want you to keep in mind that story because in that particular story, I also want you to keep in mind that he was teaching them. He was discipling them because we're getting ready to go to Acts. Acts chapter three, verses one through nine. Now, the reason why that is important, because now we have them actually after they've been discipled, after they've been taught and they're actually doing this thing after Jesus has died. So they're actually, they're walking in power. They're walking in their purpose. They're actually doing what God has called them to do. So we got Acts 3, 1 through 9. It says, now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, meaning asking to give, you know, like a homeless person asking for them to give them something. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Because he's like, okay, well, look up to us. So he's thinking they're about to give him a handout. Then Peter says, silver and gold, I have none. But such as I have give, I give, but such as I have give, I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaped up, stood and walked and entered entered with them in the temple walking and leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God now why did I bring this scripture out because in the previous scripture remember I told you they were being disciples because the apostles member told Jesus increase our faith right remember what are we talking about the gift of faith so they asked him to increase their faith, meaning impart the gift of faith into us. Now we see in Acts, the gift of faith that was given to them then. Because remember he says silver and gold. I don't have that. But then he turns around and says, but such I have give I thee. What was he giving away? 
the gift of faith that he had received when they asked Jesus, increase my faith. He said, I don't have anything to give you. I don't have any money. I don't have no food. But what I did receive when I was being discipled was the gift of faith that I asked Jesus to impart in me. So guess what? I give you that same gift of faith because he, he didn't have enough faith to be healed. He says, so what I'm going to do is give you the gift of faith so that you can be healed. 